Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Gina Bianca podcast, where we talk about life, business, entrepreneurship, the beauty industry, and beyond. My name is Gina Bianca, life and business coach, salon owner, educator, mastermind mentor, and your host of the Gina Bianca podcast. Product Club is a premium hair color tools and accessories brand that provides high quality tools, apparel, back bar essentials, and valuable hair color education. They offer the most innovative products to help professional hair colorists elevate their craft and excel in their work behind the chair. One of Product Club's latest products is the Universal Brush Duo. This dynamic set of color brushes includes two brushes one with crimped bristles and one with straight bristles for maximum color distribution and precise applications. The brushes have strong synthetic bristles, comfortable handles, and long flexible tips for easily sectioning the hair. This is a great set of brushes that you can use for multiple hair color techniques and it's on sale for the entire month of March. Originally $5 a set, you can purchase the set for only $3.50 until March 31st. Shop now at productclub.com. Discover the essence of Italian craftsmanship and beauty with Alpha Parf Milano Professional. From revitalizing hair care and treatments to vibrant color collections, experience the luxury of the Italian house of beauty. Celebrating a global commitment to elevate the beauty craft through advanced formulation, technology, practical salon solutions, and consistently superior results, one bottle at a time. Alpha Parf Milano Professional, where glamour meets sophistication and hair care perfection. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to the Gina Bianca podcast. We are continuing with our amazing salon owner series, Salon Ownership Unfiltered. I have one of my amazing alumni from Educate with Influence, Robin Spaulding. She is an incredible salon owner of Vibe Color Lounge in Northport, Florida. And I've been just watching all of her content. I totally vibe with her. And when I was thinking about people to ask to come on this show, I immediately thought of her and I was like, I'm going to have her come on and do an interview with us because she is all about creating that amazing culture and has a, a lot of experience as a salon owner. So Robin, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Gina. I really appreciate it. Um, my yeah. pleasure. Tell my audience a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. So you already said it. I'm a um, salon owner based out of Northport, Florida. If you guys don't know where that is, it's just south of Sarasota. It's a really nice little family community in southeast or southwest Florida. Sorry about that. Um, I actually moved here about four years ago from New Orleans. I've been a hairstylist for 18 years now. Um, I have owned the salon for two years and I'm also a Wella educator. So I get to travel with Wella Education. It's super fun. And we just, you know, I I get to bring that back to my salon. 
Um, and I'm, I'm just enjoying salon ownership right now. We've been open for two years and it's been great. Love that. And I love when salon owners want to become educators. And it's funny because me and Olivia were just talking about this. I was like, the best people to be educators are salon owners. She's like, yeah, but they don't have time for that. <laughs> like they don't have time. Oh. And I'm just like, you're so right. Like it is so much work to become like a full-time educator, but like I, and you can always educate on the side. Right. But like salon owners are like the ideal people to be an educator because you have the experience you've seen a lot you've dealt with people and you have the business experience typically so like when you're out there teaching classes a lot of hairstylists like you're teaching technique and I always say I give them what they want and what they need so I might show them a foiling technique that's what they want but what they need is I'm like shoving business advice down their throat (laughs) solicited of course you know they they'll ask questions or whatever but it's like it's when you're a salon owner, you naturally have that. So that's awesome that you're doing both. And maybe we can talk about how you're managing to like balance all that. (laughs) That would be great. Um, (laughs) yeah, no problem. No, I love that. Um, it's, it's really crazy. I do feel like salon owners are like those special people who are like, all right, cool. Now what's next. Right. So we're like overachievers. That's why you open the salon anyways, right? Like most people are like, okay, what's next? And I feel like salon ownership falls in line with that, or, you know, so does becoming an educator. So it's not really out of boredom. It's like, how can I advance my career? And, and what I'd say too, is like, I know it sounds like a lot, but I think it'd be crazy for like salon owners not to want to seek out, you know, being an educator. I think it's like a no brainer for sure. Um, we were talking like previously before we started recording, like it's, I, I feel like, you know, those things go hand in hand. I totally lost my train of thought, but, um, I, I feel like, like for my salon, it's part of the ecosystem, right? So like, I'm able to have my stylist come to me and ask me for advice on things. They see me as like an industry insider because I'm an educator. Um, So I'm able to provide so much value as a salon owner um, to them. So it's, it's like, it should be part of the offering whenever you open a salon, like, Hey, I'm also, you know, skilled in, in these areas and I can help build you up as well. So if I didn't mention it, I am a commission salon owner, but I think even for like a booth rental situation, like that's super desirable. I totally agree. And like, I got most of my educator experience from training my assistant. So no matter which order it comes, you know, it's an amazing value to add to your team, to be able to be a good teacher, to be able to, you know, when someone asks you a question or they ask you like, why are you doing this? You don't say, oh yeah, that's just how I do it. It's like, you're able to break it down. You're able to teach, you're able to mentor, you're able to coach, like all of those things is amazing uh, to add to your skill set as a salon owner. So my first question was going to be, what's your business model? You mentioned that you're a commissioned salon owner. So everyone's on W2. Absolutely. Yes. Love that. <laughs> All day long. <laughs> Love that. I, lo- um, I and- like to do things pretty legit. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, as we all should, (laughs) but uh, I just figured I'd ask, um, tell me about like your salon and the vibe and you know, what, what goes on over there? Yeah, no problem. Um, so, so we're a relatively small salon, but is it is a commission structure. Um, right now I have 
I want to say five on the team. Um, and we do have one apprentice who's about to go on the floor. I'm super excited for her. She just got her license. She's, I mean, she's just killing it. It's so much fun watching her progress and grow and she's only 18 years old. Um, so that that's been super exciting. We're looking to bring on another assistant, of course, and all my girls are so busy. I'm, I'm kind of like pushing them to start double booking and things like that. But, but our culture is, it's pretty laid back. We do have, um, I call them culture commandments. So there are core values and, you know, whenever I bring new people on, I, I always share my vision, my mission, you know, I keep things super structured so that when people come in, they know exactly, you know, what it's going to be like before they even start. Um, it's, I, I find having structure makes me feel more at ease um, and organized as a salon owner. And then, like I said, my girls there, it's like a no brainer. They know how to communicate with me. They know, you know, what's what's right, what's wrong. Um, they lean on each other a lot, which I love. Um, we're all able to kind of assist and help each other. So it's, it's very flowy. Like not one person does all the dishes, not one person, you know, um, you know, cleans up everything. It's just, we try to make it like you jump in if somebody needs your help. Um, you know, I, and I tell that even to my apprentices coming on, I'm like, listen, you're, you're not just the person like sweeping the floors and doing all the dishes and, you know, putting out fires, it, you know, it's expected, but she's also going to be learning as well. So, you know, I just, I try to make it to where everybody's chipping in, even with the education, I have some really badass stylists on my, on my team. And I'm always like, oh my God, come over here and see what India is doing. Like, she's just putting out this amazing, um, work. I have a stylist who's like super good with social media. I'm like, look over here. And we all kind of like vibe off of that. And in turn, I feel like the, the clients will pull me aside and they're like, your team's amazing. Like, I love it here. We get the most amazing Google reviews. I mean, it's, it's been insane. This has been like better than I expected. I was super scared opening the salon two years ago. And now I like, I look at it and I'm like, whoa, this is, this is really cool. And I want this for everybody, you know, like this is achievable for people and it's not always like sunshine and rainbows, but it's, it's pretty cool. I don't know. It's pretty great. How many chairs do you have? So currently we have seven. I use two because I double book. Um, and then we have, let's see, I think I have one chair available right now. Nice. And you said that you're like trying to convince them now to double book. Like if a stylist doesn't want to double book, is that an option in your salon? Or are you trying to maximize each chair as much as possible? Is that something you talk about like in the interview process? Like, oh, when you work here and you get booked, you'll probably be double booking. Like, is that something you give them a heads up about or do they have options? They sort of have options. I start kind of like grooming and pushing them that way. Like I'm about to start um, one of my busier stylists, I'm about to start her double booking. We're going to bring on another assistant and I'm actually stepping away a little bit from the chair. So I won't need a full-time assistant. So that person will be able to learn off of that stylist. And then, you know, myself, so you so provide I, an assistant. Yeah. Yes. And, and that's the real thing. It's like, I, I want you to double book because look, you were slam bam busy. We actually are only open four days a week. So I'm like, unless you want to add a day, which, you know, they have the option of two, you know, the next 
choice is to double book with um with an assistant but bringing on an assistant it's like a bigger conversation right like they're going to have to provide value to that person and um yeah i just try to lead by example like hey i'm doing it look it can be really easy it's not scary or intimidating you're going to have support um so i do i push it a little bit but if anybody has kind of expressed like hey i don't think i'm ready for that i'm like okay so you're maxed out or you're almost there what can we you know what can we do to make you more money otherwise like are you then you know selling more services are you raising your prices like we're looking at other ways to you know, to basically like grow them so that they can make more money. Like that's, I feel like that's the ultimate goal for most of us. Yeah. I have a question for you. This is like a side, like random question. And just a thought Mm -hmm. that I have, I see like a lot of coaching companies and, uh, you know, people having this conversation on Instagram and it's like, okay, if your commission salon owner, your staff should be able to set their own prices and have unlimited pricing. Like they could price whatever they want. Mm -hmm. So you may have somebody who doesn't double book, right? And they're in the salon and maybe everybody on your team charges $75 for a haircut, but that one person would be allowed to charge 150 if they wanted to. Is that something that you would allow in your salon? Do you know what I'm talking about? Sort of. I don't think I'd let somebody do that large of a jump. Um, I'm not against them. You know, if they're hitting like all their KPIs, if they're hitting like those pre-booking percentages and like basically their productivity percentage and all of that, like if it's looking really good, they're going to get a price increase of like, you know, up to 20%. I'm not, I'm not looking at totally doubling somebody or anything right away, especially just because they don't double book. Um, I don't know. We haven't crossed that bridge yet. And I think an interesting question. It's like, do you allow, like, if you're trying to create, I guess it really depends on like what you're trying to create in your salon. Like for me, when, with my employee base salon, I owned an employee base salon for five years. I don't know if you knew that, but, um, Mm -hmm. I've been talking about it on this um, series quite a bit. So the listeners know I, I owned an employee-based salon and we were a team-based salon. And what was really important is that the client had the same price for everything. Um, it was really important to have consistent pricing. And eventually we did like a level system and it was like, everyone was a different price. Um, but I paid hourly. I didn't pay commission. So it was like, you know, everyone had different prices and then everyone had the same price. And my business grew so much from having the consistency and streamlining of pricing. And it was huge. You know, everyone was booked. Everyone was busy. No one was better than the other person, you know, but then it got hard. Like the new person coming in, can they charge that amount? So then we ended up having like, you know, more promotions and discounts for that person. And then that wasn't like great, you know? So it's like, there's so many different ways you can go about it and look at it. And the conversation that I keep seeing is if you're an employment-based salon, your stylist should be able to come in, charge whatever they want. But how does that give you consistency as a business owner? It's just a question I want to bring. I want to know your thoughts. Yeah, I think, no, of course. I I think having a very consistent brand, like what you were saying was, is super important for our clients, right? Because you want to be able to give them a pretty similar experience. I think if, if you have booth rental, they should be able to just charge whatever of the heck course. they want because they're, you know, it, it's totally different. But then in that case, it's like, well, here's, you know, Stephanie, you know, who's $150 haircuts out of, 
you know, um, let's say out of such and such salon over here, like she's going to be her own brand. So her clients know coming in, she's attracting her own clients at the $150 mark. I, you know, I hate to be like all over the place. I feel like with prices, because we, one of the, one of the perks I feel like of coming to our salon is, you know, and, and actually working there is like, if you get sick, you know, somebody else can take your client for you. And we don't have to like freak out and worry about whether or not somebody is serviced or if they're going to get, you know, mad at us for being sick or whatever, like all these crazy thoughts that go through our head. It's like, Hey, it's okay. The receptionist just reaches out and says, Hey, you know, India's sick today. I'm going to have Audrey take care of you. Bam. Like the pricing is so similar right now for all my girls. Um, and they've hit benchmarks kind of together at this point, because, at two years in, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the same handful of employees. So they're all kind of hitting those marks at the same time. I've been pretty consistent and my, my clients like that. And my stylists love that too, because they're, they're like, okay, cool. So if something is up or I can't fit in my client, Stephanie, I know she can go to, you know, this other girl who I, I work beside, I trust my client already knows her. Um, so she's happy to see her and then she doesn't have to walk up to the front and they're like, well, and by the way, it's double what you paid last time. You oh know, my surprise. God. I would have a panic attack if I were the stylist yes. and that was the situation. Like if I, I would have a panic attack. Yes. And so I guess like what we're saying is if your goal as a salon and as a salon owner is to, if your goal is to create a culture that is 100% about the guest experience, consistency, client sharing, convenience, all of those things and it would serve you better to have consistency in price if you are not focused on that and you're I'm not sure like what the opposite of that would be like to just say um without sounding dumb um then anyone can charge the whatever they want like in my booth rental salon we do our best to have the best customer experience and it's very challenging when somebody reaches out and says how much is a haircut and you know we have our dialogue that says all of our artists are independent they all charge you know whatever they want <laughs> so you'll have to reach yeah. out directly to get a price quote and i know for a fact that turns clients off they can't get an answer at my uh, employee based salon someone would call and be like how much is a haircut and i was just like well a haircut includes a wash cut and style we also can add on curls if you want to but the car- the starting price is $68 you know i yeah. could say that with absolute confidence instead of being like well so yeah. what kind of salon do you want to have? What is your vision? Like if you're listening to this advice on social media and it doesn't match your vision, be careful because it could open a can of worms. That's it. And I think that's what's so hard about seeing all this business advice like circulate and you're only, you know, on Instagram or TikTok or wherever we consume like 15 seconds, you know, or we read a headline and then there's like, you know, if you're not reading like the whole story or if that person who's posting isn't putting like in their caption, this is what I mean, you know, then it it, it does cause like a lot of like unanswered questions about that. You're like, well, wait, you know, just like, um, I know the pre-booking thing was going around for a while. Don't pre-book, don't worry about it. And I'm I'm like, you know, I am definitely a pre-booker, but I think it it depends on like 
what, what do you mean? Don't pre-book? Like, do you mean don't pre-book in house or do you mean like, don't like just open your books a month ahead? Like, I think you need a lot of context. And then not every, like you said, everybody's business model is so different. And ours is about creating like a very consistent brand experience. And that's why I do things the way that I do now, you know, my, my pricing does vary some, um, we do, you know, like my pricing is a little higher, but I have a strategy for that. My pricing is higher and keeps going up so I can shake people. I'm trying to get out from behind the chair. So that's really what I'm looking at. And then I'm getting them used to some of the other girls or my apprentice so that they can kind of trickle down and go, you know, to somebody else because the price point is more in line with the, what they would like to pay, but yeah. they know they're still getting consistent um, you know, experience, which I think is great for like the tier system of like, you know, what, you know, what type of stylist are we seeing? Are we seeing somebody on the, you know, that has, um, gone through the program, they're fresh on the floor, but they're amazing with, you know, A, B, and C, and that's totally fine for one client, but they're still getting the same, you know, the, the same welcoming atmosphere, the same type of music, the same great conversations. Like there's still that brand experience that they're getting, um, yeah, I think, I think it depends on what you're trying to do in your business. And I, I think what happens is a lot of stylists and salon owners, they see all this advice and they're just like, all right, I'll try that. I'll try this. So, you know, this is not working. So let me implement that without knowing what goes behind it. And that's where they start falling on their faces. It, you know, I feel bad. I want to help, you know, they need more consistency, I think in those messages. Totally. And like I you nailed it when you said it's all about context, like you're you may be raising your prices because you want to like shake some clients off to your team. Um, like for me, I charge hourly. We all charge hourly. Right. It depends on how you're communicating your pricing. But for me, I charge a straight hourly rate and it's a very high. It's not even high, but for my area, it's a little higher than most. Yeah. And I'm not trying to get clients. I'm trying to get them with my team. So I will literally, if someone's like, I want to get my hair done with you. I'm like, send me a picture of what you have and what you want. And I'll give you a range. And I'm just like, that'll take like six hours. And I'll give them a full, um, you know, quote, six hours times 150 bucks an hour. And I'll be like, it's this. If you let me film, it's this. If you want me to refer you to another amazing artist, it will be this. So like... I if your goal is to acquire more new guests, I might say, Hey, you need to have really clear pricing in packages with a lot of detail. Like what is it going to include? Like, and not be so short, right? Like I'm much yeah. more short because I'm not trying to gather that business. I'm more trying to filter it to my staff. Um, but you'll see like, you know, we all should charge hourly. Okay. I don't know. We all charge hourly, but like how we're communicating it as hairstylists, we can definitely make a better guest experience, have more clear pricing. So I agree with what you said. It's all about that context. And just because you see something, it might, it might work for somebody else, but you got to look at your business, what you're trying to create. Yeah. And you got to know why too. I mean, just like what you said, um, you know, we all charge hourly, don't we, Gina? Like, I feel like even people who are a la carte or they're, 
you know, maybe a package pricing. It really is. And you, and I think younger stylists or, or people who might not get that, you know, maybe need to know that instead of just going, well, I'm just going to charge, you know, $150 hourly. Cause that's what Gina charges now. And because I'm that good or I'm that booked, which is totally fine. But like, what does it break down to? Like, what's your product cost? Like, what are you paying out for, you know, taxes and your, your business and what, like, you have to know why you're charging that much. And, and even people who do a la carte or salons that do a la carte, like I, I hope that it does break down to where they have, you know, a consistent hourly, even though they're packaging it as like, or they're I'm selling the services as a la carte, you know, it really breaks down to the same thing at the end of the day. A hundred percent. And if you guys are like, what do you mean? We all charge hourly. Think of it this way. If you charge $300 for a full highlight gloss and a haircut, and it took you three hours, you charge a hundred an hour. Yes. Whether you knew you were or not. So whatever your main service is, think about how long that takes and what you typically charge and do the math. You already have an hourly rate. Is that the hourly rate that's going to get you to your goal? That's a different question, right? So um, you got to like really understand we all charge hourly, whether we know it or we, or we don't. And typically when our hourly rate is dialed in, everything in our a la carte menu is dialed in by time. And then we put it all together for packages and then we are priced for profit. So tons more education on that if you need it, but let's get back. Um, we were talking about your business model. What's the vibe. My next question is what's your like daily role? Like you said, you're behind the chair a little bit, but like, what's your daily role as a salon owner? Yeah. So I'm, I'm still, I'm still working on it. Right. So like in the beginning, whenever it was, I actually started out with me and an assistant and I was doing everything. My daughter would come in on Saturdays and answer phones. And outside of that, I was doing a lot of the client communications as well. So as I built my team, of course, I've brought on a salon coordinator. I can finally like kind of relax and go, okay, things feel like really good. I'm, I'm a little bit of a control freak. So it took some time to let go, but my day to day, um, my day to day is, you know, we're open four days a week. I'm there all four days, but I work a half day on Wednesday. Um, I usually use that morning for like meetings, check-ins with my stylists. Like we do quarterly meetings. Of course we do monthly meetings. That's all really important to me. Um, and then any kind of follow-ups I need to do with anyone on earth, mostly, mostly, um, salon related. And then, you know, for the rest of my day, I'm usually like double booked with an assistant Thursdays. I'm off, um, from behind the chair. However, that's when I do hands-on education with my apprentice. So she brings in a model. We start at the beginning of the day. We do consultations. Like we have a good time. We learn tons of stuff. Um, it's great. I love focusing that time on her. Um, if need be, you know, like I do try to support the other stylists too. Like if they ever need any, I mean, they just pull me aside anyways. Um, I'm sure you know how that is, <laughs> but but I'm also like, I take that time to observe how things are going in the salon, just like, you know, how some of my stylists are speaking to their clients. Like, I mean, not in an overbearing way, but just like observing as like, you know, I don't know, just trying to go in with fresh eyes. I try to always like refine, you know, our process, make sure everything's like just, just exactly how I, I always envisioned it. So yeah, we work on our education on Thursdays, Friday, Saturday, double book behind the chair. Um, like I said, my books are closed. Um, so I'm, I'm seeing where now things are kind of relaxing behind the chair a little bit too, which is really great. 
And, and that's kind of it. I let our salon coordinator, Kat, take care of a lot of stuff for me now. So I try to just focus mostly on my team as much as possible. I still cater to my clients, but I do find myself really, really enjoying investing that time in them. So that's kind of my day to day. Monday, Tuesdays are admin days. Love that. Um, Do your employees make their own schedule or do you kind of have everyone scheduled? If you're open four days and you said you're open Saturdays, you're Wednesday to Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. You have everyone on the same schedule. Yeah. Everybody's on the same schedule as of right now. I am trying to decide what I want to do for the future as I mean, because we're growing pretty quickly. Um, Everybody's book that I have so far, we're looking at hiring another stylist and another assistant. So, you know, there could come a time where we open up Tuesday, maybe every other Tuesday. Um, We're talking about maybe doing nights. So right now it is nine to five, um, Wednesday through Saturday. I kind of like that. It's been nice. Every time I ask the girls, you know, especially when they're like super booked and I'm like, Hey, you can't get anybody else in. Do you want to add an extra day? They're like, "Mm, I like my three days off. They love it. Um, so I, I really hate to take that away from them. I'm like, you know, things are going really great right now. We could, like I said, definitely build them up to where they can, they can add some extra time to their schedule, maybe by double booking. Um, so that's, that's kind of, I think that's kind of the flow of the salon and everybody's enjoyed it so far. Yeah. I mean, you're in a perfect place to like, you've like, if you maximize what you have right now, you have enough hours available to Mm -hmm. almost double your business. Yeah, Like you have like all the nights. So you have like five to nine every night. And then you have those three open days. You could literally hire a whole other staff and like maximize completely. Yeah. Like it's I think kind of smart. Nice. It's smart to like have like the perfect thing maximize. And instead of like opening another one or something, you literally have all of those hours. Like you can yeah. maximize so much more and your, your team could stay exactly as they are. You could start a whole new team that does two days a week or something. Like you, it's just so like, you have so much room to grow. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely tossing around all the ideas. Um, I know our lease is up in three years, so I'm actually thinking about even like a bigger space, but I've already thought about like, what if we did hire on and have, you know, a couple of people three days a week, um, <laughs> so, and I, I pass a lot of things by my stylist. Like I always tell them, like, I value your opinion. We're building this together. Like they know what the big vision is and they're so happy to be a part of it. So I'm thrilled about that. And I do like to kind of keep them in the loop. So I'm like, all right, so what if we tried this? What if we tried that? Like I, I do value their opinions. Um, and they're like, but if we hire more staff, like we want to get to know them. We don't want to not see them. So I'm like, all right, then we'll have to like kind of throw around the schedule where it's like every other day. So they all get to know each other. Like that was the only complaint. They were like, but then how are we going to get to know them? You know, like, they say that now. All right, all right. They say yeah. that now until oh, they have to switch a Sunday with someone. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But I mean, it's fun to, to, you know, open up the dialogue so that they can feel like a part of the process without, you know, you know, obviously I'm like, listen, I get this, the final say, this is my business at the end of the day. And they totally know that. Um, but, but I'm like, all right, what do you think? You know, like what, what makes you guys happy? Like, what would, what would you be open to? And they know, like, 
you know, if it comes to that, it's sharing stations and things like that. Nobody, I think because I give them so much freedom, nobody's like, well, this is my station and nobody can touch my stuff or like everybody just trusts each other. And I think they trust me pretty well that they're just like, all right, whatever she does is probably going to be best for us anyways. Yeah. I like the idea of station sharing. I do like that because you can really maximize, you can go from seven to 14 stations, right? So yeah, you split shifts. Um, okay. So everyone's on the same schedule now. Um, which I mean, I think that that has a huge part of why everyone's so booked and busy, right? It's like you have like condensed, it's the most productive way to work. So everyone's busy. Everyone's got their dream schedule three days off. Like that's so nice. They work nine to five. That's like a dream. Um, totally oh, love that. Money too. It's so funny because that's why I'm like, well, do you want to add a day? And they're like, I love time. Like they're younger. They're, they're that Gen Z. So they're like, it's cool. I'm like, I'm pretty happy. Like they want to grow, of course, but they're not like, I'm not making enough money. I don't work enough hours. They're like, yeah, I'm, I'm making pretty good money for 32 hours a week. Yeah. And you're giving them the option if they want to. Yeah. Um, totally. so Another question I have is like, what is your ideal employee look like? Like, so if you're interviewing, how do you know, like, if they're a good fit? Like, what are you looking for in that interview? I'm usually looking for them to like, kind of make the first moves. I I really like self-starters, you know, people who are like really motivated themselves. They're not just looking to me for the answers all the time. You know, I, um, you know, there are certain little like physical things that flatter me. Like, um, I just, I just did an interview with, you know, a girl who's 18. She just got out of school and she still brought me like a paper resume. So I was like, Oh, this is, (laughs) this is nice because half the time, you know, when I asked for a resume, it's like, well, what's that? And which started making me think like, maybe I should change how I think about the interview process. But I'm always looking for somebody who's like really excited to start really humble, you know, of course, like just, just eager to learn, happy to learn from other people aren't, um, you know, completely reliant on me. Like I want, I want them to follow my lead, but not, not necessarily, you know, look to me for every little thing can kind of, um, work things out themselves. You know, if I give them a couple of tasks or I just, I feel like if they can kind of come to some conclusions themselves. So yeah. And then usually, honestly, it it just comes down to like their vibe, like how I feel whenever I'm sitting there talking to them, if we're connecting, like it, that's, that's really a big deal for me too. Um, if we kind of end an interview or like we've been talking and I just don't feel it, then I'm usually not going to call them back. (laughs) So, so that's, that's kind of it. Um, and what kind of pet peeves do you have as a boss? Like, is there something someone could do in an interview and you're just like, "Mm, no, I'll tell you because I'm really hard on people about education. Um, because we're super education based at my salon. Like we've, we've constantly got classes. Um, I'm always like pushing them to like learn more things like that, bring things back. So when I'm, you know, usually I sort people out through like a phone interview first. And one of the questions I asked is, is, you know, when's the last time you attended education, like out of your own pocket? Um, and (laughs) I just, I don't like it when they're like, well, 
you know, COVID. And then I went to premiere two years ago and, and I'm like, that doesn't tell me anything. Like I'm even looking at, like, I'm, I'm totally cool with somebody even being like, you know, I can't find anything in my area, but I've been looking at this class or, um, do you know of like, I've been looking for classes. Where do you look for education? Like turn it on me at least to like, tell you where to look. Like, I understand maybe not everybody's as, as crazy about education as me, but like, I want to see that somebody's really bettering themselves and, and especially not making excuses about it. You know, like, oh, there's no in-person anymore. I'm like, girl, I teach classes in person. <laughs> like there are plenty. Do you want me to invite you to the next one? You know? So I, that's it. You know, if, if somebody's not seeking out education, it's like, well, then I don't know. I just don't know if they're going to be a fit. I need somebody who's like really wanting to grow. Love that. Um, another question that I have is your salon gratuity free. I'm going to share a pro tip with y'all. You need to check out MarloBeauty.com for your beauty supplies. They have everything you could possibly need for your hair, nail, or spa business. They ship right to your salon, and trust me when I say that you're not going to find prices this low anywhere else. If you're a licensed professional, you can make a free account and start shopping in about five minutes. Marlo Beauty Supply will never ever sell to your clients. They're pro only and totally dedicated to helping you build your business. Head to MarloBeauty.com today and start saving. Pros in the know, go to Marlo. Ooh, no. <laughs> it's no, okay. It's I, like 10 out of 10, this. no one's gratuity free. So I was just curious. Yeah, no, I love it because I'm like super curious about it. And like, sometimes I'm like, oh, you know, that sounds like a really good idea. But then, you know, I just watched one of my stylists get tipped like a hundred the other day. And I was like, well, she, she earned it. You know, I don't know. I just, I don't feel like it's right for us. Yeah. I don't know if I'd work at a salon that didn't allow gratuity. I, I don't think so either. I mean, my girls love it. It's like what they, they use to buy their fancy coffees and feel like, you know, feel like they've got, it's, it's the girl math, right? It's like the stylist math. They're, they're like, uh, this money doesn't count. This is my money to spoil myself and they love it. So I don't know. I, I am all about gratuity. I am too. Um, what advice would you give to a stylist listening? Cause they're stylist listening and they're salon owners listening. So the first piece of advice, what w advice would you give to the stylist listening whose goal it is to open a salon, or maybe they're on their path to opening a salon? What advice would you give them? Oh yeah. I would say do a lot of research every, I mean, every town's different and you end up running into roadblocks. You don't realize you're going to run into. I'd say pick a space that you can, you can float yourself first. Um, start small. Don't try to open up something that's, you know, however many chairs and you're going to need so many stylists in order to make it all work, you know, don't get some huge business loan. Like I'm not against business loans, but like, don't get something that you couldn't pay back yourself. You know, don't run a salon that you couldn't completely, like if you were working alone, could you afford it? I just, I don't, you know, I, I acquired some debt with the salon, but it's almost paid off and I'm super stoked about that. And I'm, you know, they say that your business isn't going to make a ton of money right away. And I feel like I, because I didn't take out a lot of loans and I, I really made sure that like financially myself, I could do it. 
um, I started generating money right away and it felt great. So, and it, and that's been motivating to keep me going too, because, you know, you can say you're not doing it for money, but it, it, you know, if you don't have money, it is stressful. So I, I would think say we're all start, doing it for money yeah. unless we were doing it for yeah. free. I don't know. No, start small and just grow. You know, you did it. You started with GBH and then, and now you're at the network and it's this like gorgeous place. And, you know, it, but you had to build your reputation in order to fill that. <laughs> yeah. I always say the biggest mistake that I made was expanding too soon. Like I started with a pretty small spot. It was 1800 square feet and it was, you know, pretty, that's like big. Right. But it was like broken yeah. up into different areas. So it wasn't like huge. And we started with that. And I, you know, instead of maximizing the hours I expanded and then I had yeah. a bunch of team members leave to go rental and I was like, oh my God, I should have definitely maxed out what I had before taking on, I took on debt. I took on uh, a bigger mm -hmm. space, bigger overhead, you know, uh, needed more coverage to cover the hours. And it was like this whole thing. And I was like, I should have just stayed small. Um, like, cause I expanded <laughs> so quick. I expanded like two years after opening and it was like just way too soon. I could have maximized and made so much more money before an expansion. And it was like, you know, I definitely agree with that. Start small and be able to float it yourself. Cause if, you know, you have this whole big conglomerate and, you know, people leave, you got to fire people. Like if yeah. you have payroll and you've got like four or five stylists leave, who's going to pay for those stylists or all those front desk people or all those assistants? Like, you know, you got to make sure you're, you know, I always say don't hire unless you're 85% booked because that could yeah. open you up to some major exposure with stuff like that. So I love the start small. Um, the next question is for the salon owner listening, what do you think every salon owner should know or realize in this day and age? Know or realize in this day and age, business changes a lot and what you go in and thinking you're going to do and what you end up doing will change a lot. And it's, it's okay to listen to your employees and like, you know, you don't have to change the whole thing for them, but like, if you're consistently hearing the same thing from them, it's okay to consider maybe tweaking things in your business and, you know, not being so stubborn, like this is the way that I do it, or this is the way everybody who came before me did it. Um, I think, you know, we're working with like different generations now, like we're millennials. Like, I think you're still a millennial, right? And, um, generation Z is coming in and we still have some generation X working, you know, so I think it's, I think it's just really important to understand that like things are going to, things are going to change and you have to be open to that. And it can be like a really great thing. It can be like the pathway to where you're supposed to be anyways. Like I, you know, instead of resisting, it's important to just like, <laughs> just, just go with it sometimes and, and be cool with that. But at the end of the day too, you have to make business decisions like a business person. So it's, you know, you can't always think with your heart. You do have to kind of rationalize as well. It's, mm -hmm. it's a tough job. <laughs> and I love it. All right. Amazing. So tell everyone where they could find you. If they're not following you already, I would love for them to be able to find you on Insta. Yeah. So I'm at Robin Spalding hair. That's at R O B I N Spalding is S P A U L D I N G hair. And, um, I'm, I'm mostly on Instagram. That's, that's typically my hangout. That's what I love. And yeah, <laughs> that's about it. 
Love it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Robin. And thank you all so much for listening. This series has been so awesome. I hope if you're a salon owner, you're getting some inspiration, you're getting some ideas for your salon. And if your goal and dream is to be a salon owner, I hope that this series is helping you. So we will see you all on the next one. Thank you so much, Robin, again, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Before we leave, I want to encourage you to go to ginabianca.com slash podcast. If you have a question about anything we've talked about on the series, I will be recording a few episodes at the end of the series answering all of your questions. Again, that's ginabianca.com slash podcast and go ahead and submit the form if you have a question. Thank you so much for listening to Salon Ownership Unfiltered. This series has been so fun to record. I've learned so much from all of the amazing guests, and I'm so grateful that I'm able to provide this amazing free resource to all of you. It wouldn't be possible without all of my sponsors, my mastermind group, and Educate with Influence because those amazing people and businesses support this free education. So please check out all the sponsors, visit ginabianca.com slash podcast to get all of the information and more resources attached to this episode. I would also love to encourage you to leave a rating and review if you're loving the podcast. All right, that's it. I'll talk to you guys soon and hope you have a wonderful day and I'll see you on the next one.